Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Spurs in full cry here. Welcome, listeners, to The Extra Inch. My name is Wendy. It's season five, baby. I'm joined by my psychic best friend, Bardi. Hello, Bardi. Hello, Wendy. And our tactics guy and the athletics football analyst of the year, Nathan A. Clark. Hello, Nathan. <laughs> Hello, Wendy. <laughs> you like that one? It's, a, it's an interesting one. Yeah. It's an interesting yeah. One. Uh, guys, there's, it feels like we've not long stopped podcasting. It's been like two weeks, I think. And seemingly, there are a million talking points, judging by the number of questions we had in ahead of this episode. I think the only people that have had a shorter pre-season are Tottenham themselves, because we've literally gone from end of season break and then back straight on the training field. Straight back into it. Mm. No time to go and booze it up in Portugal. No. So yeah, fight police officers and, you know. <laughs> I mean, I, I've, been, I've been fighting cocks every day, have you not? Yeah, I mean, obviously, <laughs> for, for the cause. <laughs> it's just what I do. Um, where do we start? I guess... Um, transfers a bit of a roundup so since we recorded we've signed joe hart um which has been met with a mixed reaction i think we can say (laughs) uh buddy how did you feel about that signing it's never it was never a substitute goalkeeper or a third choice goalkeeper was never going to get like the juices flowing (laughs) i could see the i could see the reasons why it was good an idea and i can i completely agree with the reasons why it was a bad idea um it it does bring with the whole kind of thing like uh, Mourinho wants winners and proven men and stuff like that. I don't know if it's that or it's the fact that he's not a bad goalkeeper. He's pretty cheap and he's free and he's English. I don't I don't think Tottenham thought any further than that really. I love it. So he's free and he's English is the new he's young and he's English. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Nathan, uh is he a bad goalkeeper? Uh yes. Yeah, no he is definitely definitely. Um but that's okay. Like I was when I first saw the signing I was like I had a I would say extremely negative reaction uh, because I, I I incorrectly made the assumption that he was still kicking around on wages um, not too dissimilar to the ones that he was on at City. But it turns out he is essentially on third keeper wages. Um, I don't care for what I, I don't really buy into the idea of like leadership uh, abilities you might have obviously he's very vocal but like the idea of like oh he's a winner is like okay so um Alderweireld's won the Eredivisie um Lucas and Aurea must have won Ligue 1 together um you know I, I mean I can keep going through the squad but that, that uh, go on buddy oh no th- I was going to say that this this isn't a um, a new tactic the Spurs have employed here. Richard Wright made a, a his sure. extended his career by five, six, seven years by being third choice. Chelsea did it with Rob Green as well. It's um it's it's it's, it's squad padding at its best. These guys 
take a pay cut knowing they're really never going to have a ball kicked at their face in 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 any kind of danger. Um, I don't know. I don't know what Nathan feels, whether or not he's better than Gazaniga. I think it's probably quite close. Gazaniga's better with his feet, but I think Joe Hart's probably a bit better with his hands. I certainly think Joe Hart was better with hands. I think he, he's had this incredible, incredible early, early drop-off for a goalkeeper. Yeah. He's pretty much like had like a like a full-back trajectory where he's like he's he was done at 30, which is normally when keepers are like <laughs> beginning their peak. Um, and it's he's had a... I, I want to be clear that like he used to be an incredible goalkeeper. He used mm. to be like top three in the world, um, mm. and he's just had this incredible drop off. Um, and I don't think that that's just like that's just like a mental thing where he like maybe he's going through a negative phase and it will come back to him. I think he's had like a physical and ability technical decline that just is never going to come back. I think I think I probably put him behind Gazaniga. And my fear is that like as we saw him getting forty five minutes in a friendly, not to read too much into that, but my fear is that that. Um, Mourinho is thinking that he's like he's competition for Lloris and he's gonna oh, give him a bunch of cup, <laughs> cup games and he's gonna you know play him ahead of Gazaniga. Maybe we'll get rid of Gazaniga now. Um, like if he's if he's if his job is to come in and be homegrown and be an emergency option in the goalkeeper role, that's fine. But if there's anything more than that, I am I am a little worried. Yeah, I mean when the signing was announced, my initial thought was, well, if we're selling Gazaniga for seven or eight million to boost the coffers that's not the end of the world that would make a bit of sense uh but clearly it's not i mean clearly at this point it seems like he's very much there to add competition for <laughs> i hope not hugo Lloris, but maybe hugo Lloris, but definitely add competition for the, the subs bench um the, the issue i have with the whole winners thing is there are many many players with elite mentalities who weren't winners until they won something yes yeah. or, or still yeah. aren't winners because they haven't won something but they've still got 100%. an elite mentality it's just a bit of an odd pointless uh, comment I, i'll also say there's not just been stuff about him being a winner there's been a lot of stuff about him being a big character and that is to me quite coded language around a very vocal masculine person who is essentially quite brash and argumentative and i'm not saying joe hart is that person at all i mean i listened to a podcast with him on this week and he sounded actually quite reflective and intelligent and considered um but players who often get lauded as being big characters are great in the dressing room when things are going well for them but as soon as things don't go so well for them they're still a big character and they're probably going to turn into a pain in the ass quickly because they're unhappy about their position in in the squad or team or whatever so i don't think that's necessarily a good thing as a sort of default position having said that um hart's initial interviews with spurs official were great he came across it he came across really really well really um supportive of of the club and the setup at spurs and that was nice to hear i would say uh if he still fancied himself as a goalkeeper and I mean, really fancied himself as a goalkeeper. So as in still thought that he could play week in, week out, then he would probably have gone to a team where he would play week in, week out. I mean, he's not going to play at Spurs. Well, if he's going to play, it's going to be a handful of minutes. So I'm a little bit unclear as to what his motivations are entirely. And maybe it's just, you know, one last payday. And if, that is, if that's the case, then, you know, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. I can't kind of hold that against him. Um, but I don't think we should try and pretend it's anything other than that. I don't think he... I mean, if he is there to genuinely add competition to Hugo Lloris, then this is a hell of a bad signing. Yes. Uh, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> when we've probably spoken too much about our third-choice goalkeeper already. The, I mean, well, uh, the final point is that Whiteman and Austin both have to go out on loan now. Yeah, 100%. That's, 
Yeah. yeah, 100%. I mean, to be honest, they should have been going out on loan regardless of whether we signed Joe Hart or not, or a third goalkeeper or not. Uh, and and, and f- one final point from me, if I may, uh, just to say that what I would rather see us do is scout goalkeepers with good numbers that are kind of under the radar and not well known and perhaps would cost even less in wages. Uh, in, in a way, like we did with Gazaniga. I mean, I don't think Gazaniga's great, but he was a very, very cheap signing and has gone up considerably in value since we signed him. Yeah. Uh, someone like that who was homegrown would have been fine. But, you know, it's not the end of the world. And he's being really positive on social media. And that's that's nice. So <laughs> it, it's, it's fine. It's absolutely fine. Uh, Nathan, someone here, a calming presence who is Anomimus on Twitter. I think it's a Noam Chomsky reference in the app there. He Shout says, to my man. <laughs> he says, as the Sangare rumour dried up as soon as Nathan's video came out, can we assume that he didn't take kindly to the Crouch comparison <laughs> or that he's waiting for the 30-minute cut to make up his mind about how he'd fit into our midfield? <laughs> well, this is this is the issue with me being the, um, the uh, creator, allocator and editor of my own series is that, like, <laughs> most of the time I'm waiting for like uh someone to be reported on multiple times or someone to be reported on by like the tier one Spurs journalists, you know, Kilpatrick, Gold, etc. Um whereas when Sangari's name picked up from a content aggregator, I was like, well I know this player and I really like him, so I'm just <laughs> gonna make his video immediately. Um and then of course the rumor's gonna dry up by just I just I really like him, so <laughs> that's why there's a 30-minute version <laughs> talking about him. Is that 30-minute cut ever going to see the light of day? Uh, eventually, yeah. Nice. It's uh, yeah, a very enjoyable video. So what Nathan did, for those who haven't seen it, is he, he watched one of the matches in which Sangari played midfield and just essentially analysed <laughs> most of his touches. <laughs> All of his touches? Uh, yeah, every single involvement. Every single from involvement. single game. Uh, and you were doing it in real time. So it's not like you watched it and then went back and analysed it. You were doing it in real time, which is what made it really fun. And uh, what made the athletic journalist, whose name I forget, say it was one of the best pieces of football. An- one of the best football analyst videos he'd ever seen. Oh, that was Tom Werville. Shouts to Tom Werville. Thank you. Very kind. I, mean, I, was, I was joking at the start about it, but I mean, it's genuinely a nice thing to say. I do fucking hate The Athletic, though. One day we'll tell that story as to why we <laughs> fucking hate The Athletic. But uh, okay. yeah, Tom Werville. Shout out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> is that bad? Is that well, bad? had it come from me, I would have got told off, but you're, al- you're allowed to say it, yeah. That's we're, no, we're now, we're now a podcast who start beefs with, with other outlets, I'm so that's sure. fine. Yeah, I've always true. wanted to be on one of. The, I always wanted to start these, <laughs> so be, be able to carry it on. What do you mean you've always wanted to? You've literally done it before. <laughs> yeah. you don't you, what you want is, a is sip of beer. Is full rain and like backing up in that department. That's what you always wanted. <laughs> oh yeah. dear, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Rune Tverborgvik, who is Rune Tver on Twitter, he says, Why is the club on social media behaving like we've signed two of the best players in the world? <laughs> Buddy, what do you think? Are they going overboard with Huey Bier and Hart? Um, with Hart, possibly, but with Huey Bier, no, I, I don't think so. Spurs, we don't tend to make practical transfers or fill gaps in the squad with a player that actually suits that role. So, um, Huey Bier, he does that we needed a player who could do that and I think for the price we paid and everything else involved I think that's a great bit of business and I can understand why the club have got overexcited and we're getting slowly excited he, he, 
people have commented that it's very like Wanyama when we got him as well. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it gives me hope that, that we've, we've signed a sensible, it, it like, you know, like our friends at the Athletic like to talk about, it's a sensible transfer by Tottenham for once. We haven't gone and thrown £60 million at what could be the greatest midfielder ever. We've actually went out and bought sensibly for once. I think the other thing about Huibier, and actually, to be fair, it goes for Hart as well, is that they're both really articulate and quite well considered. So Spurs' mm. social media team are probably right to make the most of that and milk it a bit because if you've got someone who can talk and talk well about their reasons for joining the club and how much they're enjoying being in this amazing training centre, it's it's going to go down well. They're saying the right things and they're saying it well. I mean, if you compare some of the social media disasters that are happening right now, Bournemouth, Reading, the way um, Arsenal tend to hype up the players that they're signing and everything else, I think Spurs have always been kind of very calm with, with how they've announced it. I think the biggest fanfare we ever made was perhaps the Nkudu one where we <laughs> did all the clippings and all the tweets and stuff. Other than that, it's very much signed this player, here he is, here's an interview and then that's it. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, Mohamed Surti says, a lot of prospective transfer incomings are contingent on us moving some players on. Strongly suggested names include Sissoko and Lamella. Given their age, wages and initial transfer fees, is there any chance of these two moving on? Same for Rose. It's sounds as though Lamella is being touted around a bit and potentially that we're kind of willing to drop the price we're asking for that's if you trust the ITKs on Twitter uh I've not seen Sissoko linked with anyone to be honest so I'd be surprised if uh, he is being touted what do we think Nathan do you think uh, we'll get shot of any of these players who who don't really seem to have places in the squad well it's 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 the same Daniel Levy conundrum that it always has been which is that he uh, he manages to buy players uh, pretty cheaply and he manages to sell players pretty high and that is contingent on him holding out until he gets exactly what he wants. And what we found, how the market has evolved around him a little bit, is that the other clubs will say, OK, well, we will just go buy or just go sell someone else. And um, whereas, yeah, he's done this incredible job over the last 10 years of like selling our our deadwood for medium fees what he's doing here is failing to shift anyone on at all and we're stuck mm. with a bunch of players we've been really struggling the last couple of summers um to move on the players that that are no longer first team or even squad level players so um it's a matter of of Levy sort of adapting his game and being prepared to bring his prices down a little bit because we're not going to get and and, and the, in the question specifically he mentions initial transfer fees I and mean, you have to you have to let go of the amount that a player costs you and acknowledge their market value now so that's that's yes of course we can of course you can find someone to buy Sissoko of course you can find someone to buy Lamella of course you can find someone to buy Rose um, but that might come to like 20 million tops between the three of them yeah and we're in a position this summer where we really do need to sell before we can buy I mean it seems pretty clear uh, that Serge Aurier is on his way out the rumours have really started hotting up around some competition there originally it was AC Milan but now it seems to be Bayer Leverkusen also uh, potentially moving into pole position as the uh, as the headlines say for Aurier which would I mean it, great that there's a bidding war I'm not sure how much we'll get from in the end but uh, a bidding war is never a bad thing uh, speaking of Serge Aurier Leonard Cover says uh, given that we've now sold two right backs in two successive summers and bought zero right backs in that time 
what is the likelihood that Aurier will actually be with us for a good year or two yet? Always talk of him going now, but how? I think the point there is that actually we probably need to sign the right back, but I guess the point I've just made is no, we need to sell Aurier before we can get anyone in, let alone you know one right back. What do we think, Bardi? Are we going to be stuck with Aurier? I think there's a question uh, further down the running order regarding right backs about the use of Jedson and Tanganga as backup right backs if we go out and sign a, a first choice right back. I think it's probably highly likely Aurier will go. I think he, he seems to be quite a marketable right back. He does a lot of things well which catch the eye. So yeah, I, I, I think he'll definitely be sold. Um, but I'm, I'm still unsure about who we're going to get to replace him. Or I think a lot of that would depend on how Mourinho wants to play. And we've, we'll probably touch on that when we talk about Ipswich later. Yeah, it's interesting. The data, certainly the data visualisation graphics like Aurier, and I think that perhaps has something to do with the fact that he doesn't really play as a traditional right back. Um, But what do you think, Nathan? Do you think, is he an attractive proposition for clubs? Um, I guess, yeah. I mean, starting with the data and saying, well, he puts up a decent number of defensive actions, therefore he must be good defensively. (laughs) And, you know... He puts in a lot of crosses, therefore he must be good in attacking. And then, but obviously, a lot of clubs aren't scouting with data; they're scouting on sort of a, a more distant perception. But I think you can arrive at the same thing where you say, well, you look at the highlights, and he's really involved. You look at the highlights, and he's laying off crosses. Um, but if he plays your club week after week after week, what you see um, that isn't as clearly and as often picked up in the data is or in the highlights video or what the agent tells you or what match of the day tells you is that he makes just negative IQ decisions <laughs> um on a on a semi regular basis. And I you know, fair play, he's definitely cut down on them. Um but still too many for my liking. It's not just the big ones either. It's the it's the little ones that You're right. that happen that you that for some people they'll go unnoticed, but he's just switched off and let his man, man run past him for, for no apparent reason. He's he plays like an eighteen year old still. It's very I think strange. it's it's more his attacking that annoys me more than his his defending. <clears throat> he he wastes an incredible amount of opportunities, and for someone who, for for a role that's so crucial in how Mourinho's trying to play, he does waste a lot of he does waste a lot of the football. Mm. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so we'll talk a little bit about the first preseason game against Ipswich. Who are, let's let's caveat this by saying they are a League One team. Mm. Uh, in terms of quality, they're not great. In terms of their fitness, they're a bit ahead of Spurs, so that's worth noting also. Uh, but we saw Hjoibier make his first appearance. Um, what do we think of Hjoibier's performance? He started with Harry Winks in midfield. It seemed to go pretty well. Yep. <laughs> it was fine. He looked better than Winks. He's he's a massive step up on Winks. Uh, I thought Winks looked a bit pedestrian at, at moments and his passing was a bit not as good as it should be. And Hjoibier is, is a better midfielder and that's always good. If you're buying players, they have to be better than what you've already got and he's... He's a massive improvement, even though it was Ipswich. Yeah, no, I I, I thought he put in a, a really good showing. He looked very competent in the role he played, which wasn't a sort of natural, deep-lying midfield player role. They very much played in tandem as a two and would take turns being the most advanced. But I would say Hjoibier spent most of the time being the more advanced of the two, which was interesting. Did that surprise you, Nathan? No, uh, and I just very sort of sarcastically, uh, Nathan A. Clark style, tweeted out a clip of me saying that he often plays as the more advanced of two midfielders because I'm, I'm that kind of dickhead. Um, 
No, I mean, okay, you might say our defensive issue is with Winks as the deepest midfielder and therefore we've brought in a ball winner. Surely he should play deeper. Um, I I wouldn't be surprised if it was the other way around either. Um, I do think that it wasn't just like here's the number six, here's the number eight. Mm -hmm. There was, you know, some pivoting going Mm -hmm. on between the two of them. Mm -hmm. But um, like Hoybier's style is... Firstly, like how they are in possession, it makes more sense to be Winks deeper. He's good at receiving and turning between the centre backs. He's good at playing the first pass in possession. And then out of possession, Hoybier is someone who doesn't wait for the danger to come to him. Yep. He's a he's a forward footed presser. So I think it makes a lot of sense in those regards. Um And it, we saw it, that with the second goal. I mean he was yeah, really yeah. very, very quick off the mark there. Yeah, that was a, that was a really lovely sequence of play um, all round, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it kind of um, I shouldn't say this because it's it's kind of pointless, but it did Hell make yes. me long for the fact that uh, why didn't Poch just sign Hjorbjerg? Because <laughs> he would have been <laughs> really, really helpful in that midfield. You know, we, we have to let it go, Chris. We We're have to get let it go. Again. We have to let it go. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're right. Um, in terms of the tactics and the shape, I don't know how much you can necessarily take from the first preseason friendly, but but we did see once again the four four two, which which out of possession four four two, which merged into an in possession three four three or three four two one uh, with Ben Davies and then also Dennis Serkin tucking in to make the sort of third defensive player. Um, and I'm not going to definitively say that that means we're going to ca- carry on playing that way. But it was interesting that even after a break, Mourinho went back to that. Do you think that's his preferred system now, Bardi? Well, I thought Sirkin played a bit more of an orthodox left back than than like a Ben Davies tucking in. I thought the second half it did look look like more of a flat back four with two full backs. Um, I I quite like Jedson on the right. I think against weak opponents he gets the ball and he's he's a good footballer, so he looked decent in that in that role. Um, I, I still don't know what Mourinho is going to do. I think I think we're still very much dependent on who who he signs at right back. But I, I did think I thought Serkin was pre- playing pretty advanced at least for the first twenty minutes of the second half. Okay, um, maybe that's a stylistic thing in terms of him as a player. I mean, I did I definitely noticed him tucking in quite a bit as well. Um, so it's di- I mean it's difficult to tell, isn't it, whether it's instructional or not mm. or just some um, situation. Um, Mittel, who is M thirteen T U L on Twitter, uh, he is concerned that that system doesn't suit Delhi or the Celso Nathan uh, what do you how do you respond to that uh, I disagree uh, I thought well for a start Delhi had a really good game he did that, he know, was really good certainly a really good 20 uh, opening 20 minutes um, yeah I mean why not why why does it, so essentially um, with that system you're going to have n- not most of the time but maybe we'll switch most of the time you're going to have a right-sided winger who actually instead most of the time is going to be playing inside the right channel and for me that's perfect for Lo Celso and you're going to have a number 10 who's going to drift into the left channel and I think that's perfect for Delhi. so um, and Lo Celso could also play as a pivot with Huey Bear or Winks yeah yeah, exactly. Oh, okay. Uh, why do you suspect he doesn't think it suits Delhi or Lacelso? Any idea? Um, I think he's thinking that Delhi would either have to play. I think he's thinking that Delhi would have to play wide, and that it wouldn't necessarily suit him. But I don't uh, th- because that assumes then that uh, Lacelso is playing as the ten. I guess. Okay, who then uh, has to move left a bit? Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. I think it fit, I think it works for either of them. I, I agree that I thought Delhi played well. He looked really sharp. Uh, he was on it. He was he's very creative with his passing, which was nice to see. He seemed to have a bit of a zip back. 
Um, interestingly, so we've got a question here from Proper Daz. He says, Hjoibier alluded in his post-match interview about things the manager asked us to do. Were there any new intricacies you spotted? I missed that comment from Hjoibier mm. about uh, things the manager asked us to do, but I did notice Mourinho make a sort of slightly guarded comment about not wanting to talk too much about the things he'd asked them to do. It kind of implied that there was something very specific that was happening in this game that, um, I mean, I certainly didn't pick up on. Is there anything you guys noticed that he could have been referring to? So I did think that our pressing was quite interesting in this game. I haven't thought this through. Um, it's only really occurring to me now. But um, like, OK, across 90 minutes, regardless of the game state, because it wasn't a competitive fixture, at times we were super deep, at times we were medium block, and at times we pressed them high. And maybe that's just, you know, a training thing where we want to mix it up. We want to mm-hmm. we want to get some experience in this situation, get some experience in that situation, etc. Um, but maybe this is part of our new tactical identity where we're really hard to attack because you're going to see three different things within a short period of time. Um, I wrote a thing about Ajax when we were playing them last season in the Champions League. So if you find you remember that game's pretty, pretty interesting. Um, and I wrote about what they call what, what the Dutch German language variable pressing, which is you 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 defend at a medium t- intensity for a few minutes, you wait for a certain trigger, and then suddenly the whole team and you have to be really sort of in tune with each other to make this work. But suddenly you 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 violently explode and you you chase the opposition down, and because they've been lulled into this certain tempo, it the change in tempo really throws them off, and you can catch them out like that. So. So that's what, and, and um, this is this is very speculative. Um, I, I, this is definitely not a definitive answer. That's just the closest thing I have to a suspicion to what that could be an allusion towards. I, I think Nathan's onto something here. I think if the the week of um, the two weeks of BT twenty twenty, whatever they whatever they branded is, the week of um, Champions League football. I think what we saw is. Bayern Munich being able to switch through different different ways of pressing and not being so kind of one dimensional, either sitting deep or pressing high. So yeah, I think I think maybe there's something there. It makes sense too with the Schubert, uh pressure for the second goal because that's not something we'd have seen one of the pivot do uh, last season. I don't think no. so. So perhaps implies an adjustment there, or it just implies that Hjoibier is really good at <laughs> pressing like that. And, <laughs> be, and we were be. playing Ipswich Town, and the goalkeeper had already made a mistake passing out from the back, and etc. <laughs> etc etc so yeah who knows it's like you say it's speculation but it's definitely something to keep an eye on uh, the, the other thing that i think is absolutely uh, of note from this game and of course i want to talk about this is the use of young players so i think most people would have expected dennis serkin and harvey white to play a part because Mourinho has bigged them up lots already he's also already used them in squads so there was no surprise there at all We know also that many of our first team players haven't returned yet from their break and uh, some of them are probably quarantining, having been away to places that uh, require a 14 day quarantine upon their return. What this meant was it opened up lots of other opportunities. So Sessegnon and Foyth, I mean, I fully expected Sessegnon to play. Foyth was a lovely surprise. That was... uh, that was great. I was really, really chuffed to see him. Lovely three ball for Sonny. Oh, so mm. good. So good. Um, Jetson, 
kind of expected him. Not a right back though. wasn't wasn't thinking he'd play right back. I, I, when I saw the lineup, I was thinking perhaps Foyt's playing right back and uh, Davis is playing left back and uh, left centre back and Sessegnon's playing left back. Anyway, it turns out it's Jedson. Carter Vickers, who's had a really really good season at Luton, really good season at Luton. Um, he he made an appearance in the second half. And then we did see Sirkin and we saw White. We saw Jack Clark, which was nice. And then he also brought on Jamie Bowden, who we're expecting to join a championship club on loan at some point. And 16-year-olds, Dane Scarlett and Alfie Devine. I got wind of the fact that Scarlett might be involved. Um, someone I know happened to happened to find out on that. And I was very excited. Uh, and then we saw on Twitter, uh, Lily White Rose had tweeted earlier in the week that Alfie Devine was already training with the first team. So he's obviously made an impression. I mean, they're both big lads you know they don't look like 16 year old boys they look like men who can handle that kind of level of football but it was really quite surprising to see quite so many young players involved would you say Bardi? Yeah I mean I I, quite, I think the fourth one is interesting perhaps uh, Mourinho's now got to the point where he realises we don't have the money to go out and get another centre-back um, we haven't heard anything much about the big Korean chap, so maybe um, maybe he's come to the realization that he, he's got Foyf and he's kind of he's going to have to play him and get him get him into it. Carter Vickers, he looks like he hasn't put down a, a weight in a long time. He looks like a, he, I mean, he was always big, but he's huge now. Um, uh, Jensen, I, I'm, I'm a Jensen fan. I think he needs to improve his shooting, but I've, I, I've quite liked him in his little cameo since he's since he's been back and. Clark, we're going to get into it, but not only is this boy young and English, he's got quick feet as well. I've been watching the um, the Leeds documentary on on Amazon, which is fantastic and gives me makes me quite excited about the Tottenham one, even though I hate propaganda. But um, he looked pretty good in that, and um, yeah, I've, I've got high hopes for I got high hopes for Clark now. Mm, mm. I think the um, the really interesting thing for me is all this stuff about uh, Mourinho having a reputation for not developing young players. Now, so so what I find interesting is that Pochettino had a strong reputation for developing young players, which in hindsight now seems as though it might be without merit to some degree. Whereas Mourinho has got this sort of baggage around him from the United and Chelsea days that he doesn't develop young players. And yet everything we've seen so far at Spurs implies that that is going to be a big part of of his tenure with us. I mean, whether that's something that Levy has insisted on or not, we don't know. But we've already seen him bring Tanganga into the team. We've seen him use Sirkin and White on the bench. And now we're seeing him throw in even the 16-year-olds. And and that's quite exciting. He's fixed the loans. He's sorted out the loan problem that we were having for, for the last three years. Has he changed his spots, Bardi? I don't think I don't think he has. It's just wherever he's been before, he's he's either had the money or he's had the players to be able to just put experienced people in there. Um, at Inter, how he handled Balotelli, I think he had Santon as well. You know, these were young mm. Italian prospects that kind they're of young, they're Italian. Yeah, Arnautovic was another one he failed that who was young and a prospect as well. So I think uh, Mourinho, his his reputation for not using youth is fair, and, and he and he's earned that. He has kind of um, fudged the system by chucking on a player every now and then <laughs> to do his yep. um, to do his like stats. Look who I gave debuts to. But I think this is probably the first time where he's been financially restricted, like really financially mm. restricted. And he, I don't think he's got much choice other than to start using the youth academy. 
Sure, it definitely feels situational in that, hmm. you know, at the start of Poch's tenure, it made sense for him to use young players. And then as he went on, it made less sense. Now, Mourinho is in a position where he kind of has to. What do you think, Nathan? I think he played Edwards and Amos and Skip loads in pre-season. And and this doesn't mean much. Uh, fair enough points on like you know um, Tanganga getting game time, but even then it's like he got game time at first, and then he went away, and then okay he got injured. Fair enough, but there were opportunities to play him again. He didn't. You've praised bringing players onto the bench, but then we also saw Walker Peters ride the bench for yep. two entire years. Um, so I just mean like. Firstly, yes, as Body's already said, Mourinho's reputation with young players is is completely, completely valid. Is not a media fabrication, <laughs> and he let, there's not been enough so far to say he has overcome that. So fine, let's not fine. get carried away. Yeah, 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 yeah that's fine. Plus, um, you got to remember, Pochettino absolutely buried some of our best prospects: Townsend, Bentaleb, Edwards. They these are rest in peace youth players: Kyle Walker, Peters, Josh Onoma. He, you know, he he murdered the careers of some promising young players. Yeah, I can't disagree with that. And I I, I do think the change in loan policy is a, is a pretty big deal in terms of bringing through more players and certainly adding value to them. Well, it, it, to again, it does if it goes somewhere. And I, I, I appreciate completely that it's better for players to be going out getting senior game time than simply being in the the match day squad and not seeing a minute at Spurs and training with the first team but in either case all that really matters is that you know the season after mm-hmm. they get game time so um if you think about up until this last season, Chelsea's loan policy, they've had a lot of incredibly, incredibly talented young players getting mm. lots and lots of minutes all over the world. But again, until this season where things have dramatically changed and they've had more of a Spurs situation on their hands, those haven't transferred into players. And maybe maybe you can say, OK, well, they're turning a profit. So at least, is that, mm. at least they're like setting those players on. Um, and and funding their own academy, but you know, well, not that Chelsea are in need of funds anyway. So, you <laughs> and you can see Chelsea have totally abandoned that project anyway. Going out, they're going to sign Thiago Silva, <laughs> these kind yeah. of guys. So, yeah. they they used the youth when they had to, but now now they can. They've gone they back to type. Trial it for one season. It goes really well. Abandon it anyway. That's the yeah. that's the Chelsea method. And they'll become squad fodder. <laughs> Let's get into some of the performances of some of the young players because I think there's there are some talking points. Uh, firstly, Jace, who is Jace Tucker One, he says, "Why do you think Jose didn't use this opportunity to try Sessignon as a wing back?" Um, Bardi, any thoughts on why Sessignon played that more advanced role? I don't. I I, I don't know. I. I just don't think Sessignon. I don't think Sessignon's gonna. It doesn't excite me too much as a forward player. But then we know Mourinho does like his wide players to be a bit defensively astute. So perhaps there's that in it as well. But um, I just don't think he fancies him at left back. He gave him a few chances at the turn of the year, and yeah, I just I just don't think Mourinho sees it in him. And perhaps Sessignon becomes one of these um, defensive-minded wingers who who knows how to tackle back. Basically, is it is it not simply just that he had Davis and Sir? available to him who could play left back whereas when it came to wingers he had fewer options probably yeah probably it was just probably literally that as simple, pragmatic yeah. as that yeah yeah yeah, yeah and maybe. i think he wanted to um play with the defensive left back setup again this game mm. so i wouldn't get too I, much I, into it i thought Cessignon looked good i mean the, the goal was a bit of a, a scuffed shot but i liked the intention and there were a couple of other nice moments there as 
well. Hopefully he can um, build on that in, in these preseason games. I mean, he, he's, it will do his confidence the world of good if he can build on that. Uh, next question is from Mark, who is Icarus Tumbling. He says, was Jack Clark as good as people say he was or as underwhelming as I thought he was? So uh, there is a highlights video of Jack Clark doing the rounds on Reddit. It's by someone called Total THFC, who's made lots of these highlights videos for the young players. And they're, they're a really useful reference point to remind you of, of how they got on in the matches. Uh, Clark came on at halftime and played in the right. Nathan, what did you think? Sorry, I'm just going to go back to the previous question because I'm quickly scanning through Jack Pitbook's recent article in our friend's site, The Athletic, uh, talking about Sesson Young, and, and he's saying um, that he's referring to him plenty as a left-back and intentions for him as a left-back in there. So I would, uh, I think that's pretty promising. Mm. Sorry, let's talk about Clark. <laughs> do, you want to, do, you want to, do you want to answer that one, Barty? Um, I think he's going to end up going to the next World Cup with England. <laughs> He's English, yeah. He's not Scottish, yeah. He's and young, <laughs> and he's young. I like he's got quick feet, and I'm I, I like I like a player who's very nimble and he's you know I, I, there's something about just a couple of moves he did, the confidence of it, and one touch football in around the box. He was he was faster. His brain works faster than Lucas Moore's does already, and that's a good thing. And he needs a good loan, a good loan where he gets lots of game time, and then we'll see what he does next season. I think he needs to play every Europa League, early Europa League match for us, and then we decide whether we loan him or not. I, I think he's he can easily do that. The thing about Clark, and, and this was why it was quite interesting in terms of a system, so Clark's kind of um, typical move is to stand his defender up, to yep. beat him for pace on the outside, and then get a cross, cutback, pass into the box. And he did do that twice, so he, he, he put one just ahead of Dane Scarlett. And before that, he he made another drilled cross, which the goalkeeper got to, but it kind of, it was into the right area. I liked, I liked what he was attempting. However, what you'll notice when you watch the, the video back from uh, Total THFC, if you see that, Clark comes inside an awful lot. He's a right footer, but he comes inside a lot, kind of running towards the edge of the box. I think that is Mourinho. I think that's instruction, basically. I think the idea was Clark comes inside, Jedson overlaps. Nathan disagrees. He he did that a lot with Leeds. He moves inside to then move back outside again. It's 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 one of his things. Sure, he, no, he he he. I mean, absolutely. So often his first movement is to go in, and then he cuts back out, right? Yeah. But this was him actually deliberately dribbling towards the centre oh, of the okay. penalty box, okay. which um, was was quite surprising to me. I've not seen him play like that. I've seen him play like it on the left, where he cuts into his right foot. I've not seen him do it on the right, cutting onto his left foot. And don't get me wrong, not a lot came of it. He played a couple of balls into the edge of the box. He played one into the box, uh, which I think Lucas may have had a heavy touch or something. But there was, yeah, uh, it's just, it interested me. And I think Clark is another different option for us as a winger. We don't have many wingers who are kind of touchline huggers who will like get out there, beat their man, get a ball in. And, and I'm really intrigued to see what he can do if he does play those early Europa League matches. I really am big on Clark. Do you have uh, opinions, Nathan? Uh, I think I would send him back out on loan again for another year because he missed the opportunity for game time with Leeds and then uh, etc. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think, I, think, well, I think one more year. Or maybe only a six month, maybe only till mm. January for him. Um, but yeah, I think... 
Yeah. I mean, yeah. the thing is with him, he's played a thousand, a thousand minutes. Nothing. Okay. It's absolutely nothing. It's half of what Kyle Walker-Peters has had, basically. Wow. Okay. Yeah. No, I think, I think it's another loan, a championship all. loan hmm. where we, where we're confident he's going to get game time. That's the right thing. Yeah. Uh, so we've got a whole bunch of other questions. Oliver Lees says, some new faces from the youth team for many fans, many who are very young. Who do you see as long-term prospects for us? Seamus Hart says, which two teenage Spurs players will get senior minutes this season? And Matthew Hart says, is Sirkin now our backup left back? Is Jedson now our starting right back? Yes, uh, yes, there are both of those. <laughs> yes, there are both of those. Um, who, who caught your eye the most, Bardi? Did you, were there any, any of the young players that you thought, yes, they could slot in and, and do something now? Um, Kirkin is the obvious one and Clark as we mentioned everybody else perhaps too young um, I don't know Carter Vickers I don't I think Carter Vickers was put out there to, to show he was put out there in the shop window basically yeah. wasn't he yeah, yeah 100% yeah. I don't think any I don't, th- I don't think we'll see any of the 16 year olds this year mm. okay fair enough Nathan how about you who caught your eye the most yeah, well, Sirkin was was one that I was, I was interested in coming in. Are we counting Jedson as? <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I guess I, 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 I guess we treat him as a sort of bit of an unknown quantity. Okay, well, in that case, I am uh, at least a little interested in him as a right back. Certainly, I'm more interested in in him as a right back than I am as a central midfielder. So, I like see. I always like seeing him play at right back because I think that's at least potentially his his best role. Um, so that caught my eye and was interesting. I thought it was pretty decent. Um, I mean, he, as a player, he can receive the ball well and he runs fast in straight lines and then he's not great in the attacking thirds. That is a right back. <laughs> like, that's, you know... Um, and he's got a bit of hustle sort of defensively. So that's, you know... Uh, and Circus inter- So yeah, he, he... It was interesting. We definitely... We, we definitely continued to see some of the back three stuff uh, with Sirkin at left back, but we also saw him get forwards more than Davies was doing as well. Um, it's interesting to see how Sirkin is viewed on the attacking to defensive left back scale. What would you say about him from, from watching youth games? Wendy? I, I, I would say he is very much more Ben Davies than Danny Rose in terms of more uh, cautious, I would say. He, he enjoys defending. He's quite an aggressive, tenacious defender. He likes tackling, which I think we saw in this game, actually. He made a couple of um, tackles that are quite tasty. Uh, but he's not bad going forward at all. He's not going to kind of dash around the outside of his man and whip across in he, he's more likely to kind of have some neat interplay perhaps even when he comes inside he does like to pass into uh into the center of the pitch um plenty uh so yeah definitely more on the on the davis side of the scale um and i would say he's competent at both ends but i know him more as a defensive fullback certainly okay also yeah. let me uh let me give voice to your twitter mentions in their worst state and say why is harvey white not just harry winks oh um i mean they're not dissimilar but white has much more long range passing in his game so so white has a tremendous left foot there'll be lots of switches of play with harvey white um he he, he like wink with winks what you'll see with winks is he moves the ball really quickly and 
often very short lots of short range passes that get us moving really quickly white won't do that he'll look to he won't he won't bother with the first man he'll miss out the first man and he'll just go straight to the advanced fullback or whatever um which can have its benefits we we don't really have many good long passes in our team out of old's the the exception to that uh, so, <clears throat> so that, that could really help i definitely think white could do a job in um the first team like now in the Europa League games I think he could fit in uh, I see no reason why he couldn't fit in I've said many times before I think he's the best set piece taker at the club he had that one free kick chance which wasn't the best but uh, he is he's very very good from dead balls uh, I, I, I thought he did fine didn't really show a huge amount either way uh divine really caught my eye with a couple of moments he's a lot bigger than i anticipated he would be and he's 16 so he's he's a long way off but there were some nice signs there and i thought Bowden did well Bowden had some really neat touches in midfield as well he's he started as the more advanced of the three which surprised me because normally he is the deepest lying midfielder so that was interesting that he, he came on and played the sort of deli role um but yeah really really exciting uh, i want to touch on jedson some more we had so many questions about jedson from ned cotton from ram the ryanan from kaliugd Karna, from tyler medicar from ross wagstaff apologies if i missed anyone there were so many um ned cotton specifically said would we be content with just one right back coming in if Aurier were to go with the possibility of jedson and tanganga filling in what do you think bardi i think it depends on what right back we sign but you always say that you want your right back to be a sword more than a shield. I think Jedson is that. Uh, I don't know how I would feel if I was a young Portuguese central midfielder who comes to England to develop his game, and then I end up going back to Portugal as a as a Mourinho's right back. It's, <laughs> not, it's not really probably the career path he thought he was taking. Um, I like Tanganga right back as well, but once again, he's not, he's he's not going to really do anything in the attacking third. I, I would like us to sign an excellent right back and then I'd be happy with those as backups. But mm. I think it really has to be a top class right back because otherwise I get a little bit nervous. Mm. That's fair enough. Um, Eric Roop says, would you sign a very good 21 year old League One right back, Nathan? Why did he ask you that? Because I said Jensen would be a very good League One right back. <laughs> And I said not to ask me that question, and then he's put it toward the end of the podcast. <laughs> so fair play. Uh, yeah, no, I probably would be up for signing a very good League One right back, and therefore I have been epically owned with facts and logic. Therefore, I would accept <laughs> Jensen as our backup right back. He he played well. He played well, and again, you know, it's so early in preseason. The quality of the opposition is not there. We can't really judge. But his positioning, which you can judge because that's what, you know, training has presented us with. It was good. It was really good. And he was very, he's always very assertive when it comes to wanting to take in on his man. Sometimes a little too assertive. Sometimes he'll want to take on his man when that's not the most sensible option. But I, I, I liked what I saw. I, and previously, I've, I've more frequently not liked what I've seen from Jetson. So to get a, a positive <laughs> performance was really pleasing. Because Mourinho obviously likes him. I mean, that of that we can be pretty sure. Um, from all the reading around Jetson, everything seems to suggest that he's got a good attitude in training, that he's a hard worker, and that he's impressed Mourinho. Uh, as a final reminder, he his his clause, his transfer clause to us is rumoured to be in the tens and tens and tens of millions. So try not to <laughs> fall in love with him because that would be fifty million. <laughs> 
apparently 50 million, which is... Wow. <laughs> which yeah, is I mental. mean, he could turn into a 50 million pound right back, no, but I, I, have, I have doubt. He's, he's definitely never going to turn into a 50 million pound centre midfielder. That's for sure. <laughs> I, I think I would buy Jetson at right back for 5 million. Yeah, that's, that's a good deal to me. Yeah, 50 is utterly ludicrous. Yeah. I mean, for 50 million, I would want... Florentino Luis and Ruben Diaz and Jensen. Nice. nice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that sounds deal. like a fair, fair deal. Um, very quickly before we move on from preseason, I also watched the under 23s lose 6 2 against Leighton Orient. Why uh, do that? Why? Why? Why do you want to watch Tottenham get spanked? This is what I don't understand <laughs> about you, Wendy. Like, you've got nothing better to do than watch Tottenham get whipped. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's all of us, I'm afraid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I hold my hands up there. Uh, it was mainly, I was watching mainly. Uh, for Jack Rolls and Brooklyn's Lions Foster. Uh, there wasn't a lot to get excited about. The, the under-23 team was once again made up of waste and strays, and yes, yeah, not great. I mean, it doesn't look that good for Jack Rolls that he was involved in mm. the under-23 matches and not the first team matches. But again, he's one who I would say would be looking to get to the championship. And I, I feel like a championship loan for him could be transformative and could completely change the course of what he becomes because if he does win in the championship and he's a goal scoring midfielder we don't get many goal scoring midfielders these days that's it's quite a rare thing and he could easily become a premier league player i think uh, who was the mystery shopper who was the mystery shopper playing for spurs yeah so this was the interesting thing about hmm. that game we had two trialists we had one starting and one on the bench uh and the orient the Leighton orient youtube channel was not very good at zooming in <laughs> So you didn't get many moments where you could actually see the player's face and try and work out who they were. Uh, in the end, someone on, um, I believe it was someone on Spurs community managed to track down that there had been uh, a player released from Sheffield United this summer. Uh, he's a player called Keenan Ferguson, and he played uh, right back for us in the first half and left centre-back in the second half, and he looked good. He was probably one of the better players. I know we lost 6-2, but the defender shouldn't have played that well, but he, <laughs> he, was, he was pretty decent. Uh, and then the, the under-23s had another match against Crawley, and they drew 2 all. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that group, as I say, is nothing to get too excited about. Um, just to linger on the academy a bit longer, since we last recorded, there's been a complete restructure of the academy. I say complete restructure. I don't know if it's a complete restructure. There's certainly been a restructure. Uh, they've maintained some continuity. So John McDermott left Spurs to take over uh, at an England job. John McDermott was at Spurs for many, many years, sort of a decade, uh, was head of our academy, was very highly respected. He is now replaced by Dean Rastrick, who worked closely with McDermott. So there is continuity there. I think that has some benefits because the players set up know him already and that's no bad thing. We've seen Ryan Mason step up from his previous role as under-19 coach to become head of player development under-17 to under-23. That's a big role for Mason and I'm I'm really I'm really happy for him and I think, you know, he's he's been a player who's had problems breaking into the first team, so he kind of knows what it's like to be stuck between under-18s and the first team. Uh, so hopefully he can bring some of that into the role. And we've appointed Chris Powell. Chris Powell, who was formerly uh, uh, a manager at Charlton, um, a coach elsewhere, and currently is still keeping his England coaching job. Chris Powell is so well-respected in the game and just a really nice bloke. 
a really kind of warm character who's, who's got a good understanding of football, is a Spurs fan. He joins as head of coaching under 17, 2023. I think that's a really exciting appointment. Um, I'm very happy that Powell's joined us. So let's see, let's see what happens. I mean, certainly, as we've spoken about many times, things weren't going that well in terms of bringing players through. We were developing good players and then not bringing them through. So hopefully this, these changes will have a positive impact on that. Um, I'd certainly like to see the under-23 have a bit set up, have a bit of a shake-up. So if Mason could do something there, then that would be fantastic. Really pleased with that. Uh, more questions. Ben, Mo- ben Bowman, who is Benosaurus on Twitter, he says, who is objectively the worst football player you can think of from the last 10 years or so at Spurs who would get into this current squad? Would Kyle Norton get onto the bench over Jedson? Oh. So, okay, so just to get into a matchday squad to get onto the bench... Um... Oh, that's a tough one. Okay. It's really tough. It's really tough. I think how, I've asked how low this would you before. go? I think I've asked this before to Twitter. Um, let me let me let me cheat and search my own replies. <laughs> Bardi, does I anyone think, come to mind? I think probably um, Soldado or Jansen would be an, an alternative off the bench. I mean, they're terrible, but mm. um, one thing that struck me on on Saturdays we we don't really have any other strikers. But I would like to give a shout out to Son, who I. You, sometimes you, you you take a player for granted and you forget just how good they are. Son was he's incredible. And you know sometimes at the end of the season you, uh, footballers go on the pitch with their kids, and they just start nutmegging their kids. That's what like Son was out there. He was playing with he was playing with literal farmers and he was just running rings around <laughs> them. And, and he's that he's just levels above anybody else. But um, our worst players have definitely been our strikers. But I think there'd be a space for Vinny or Soldado on the bench to come on and perhaps change the game. <sighs> yeah, you're right. And that's incredibly depressing. But yeah, you're right. It would be one of those two. And they're both horrible players. Horrible, horrible players. Uh, Nathan, any insight? Uh, yeah, we've, we've got some shouts for uh, for Jake Livermore, uh, mm. for Palacios, who's still playing in the Honduran League now. Oh, I respect to that guy. <laughs> uh, many, many popular shouts for Le- uh, Spurs legends, Leandro Damiao, obviously, <laughs> coming to play backup striker for us. Stambouli. Stambouli's probably better than Sissoko at holding midfield. That's a good one. <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah, I don't know. I I don't even think Kyle Norton would get onto the bench over Jetson to be honest. He was not a good player. I just think we're now we're at a level now, aren't we? Where we're just better than some of this dross. Mm-hmm. Having said that, Nkudu was on the bench not that long ago. Who's <laughs> doing great things in Turkey? Doing magical things with footballs down there. He's yeah, doing, he's, yeah, lighting it up. Still shit though, isn't he? Still proper shit. Uh, okay, quick fire questions because Sanjeev Kumar sent in th- sent in four questions. Uh, Bardi, this one for you. Sirkin on loan or development in the team this season? Loan. Wow. Okay. Development. Uh, I'm 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 putting him straight in as our rotation left back. Mm. Uh, Nathan Foyt at right back with Jensen and Tanganga. Uh, no, <laughs> no. Uh, Foyt to be a rotational centre back, uh, and then a right back to make Jensen second and Tanganga third choice at right back. Interesting. Bardi, what do we do with the Clark now? He clearly had... So I said a Clark because that's how it was written. What do we do with Clark? He clearly um, has something to offer. So a sensible loan would be great. Okay. And Nathan, finally, why are we not all over Eze at QPR? At 20 million, we can loan him out and use him when we sell Lucas. <laughs> uh, I don't know if he's actually available for 20. That seems 
pretty good, but because we have other holes in other areas in a limited budget, and um, I mean, I would try to get 20 for Lucas and buy Eze if we could, but there you go. I mean, hold up, Eze's worth more than 20 million. That's that's the asking price for him. Buddy, what, I mean, he's young, he's English, what more do you want? <laughs> yeah, but still, 20 million pounds and then we can loan him out. No, come on, if you, you, we, we, we haven't got that much money. I, that's an insane amount of money for someone, it's, it's an insane amount of money for someone who's never played in the Premier League. It's, it's it's quite a lot. I mean, Fulham are being strongly linked with Eze. Uh, we we missed the boat on him last season. We should have got him. Where we, we we we've been watching him for like three years. I think we should have just signed him last season and loaned him back. That would have been the logical thing to do. But mm. alas, he'll go elsewhere and be brilliant because he is brilliant. Um, final question from Leonard Cover. He says, since we may well start playing, who can play right back at a pinch? What can Windy tell us about how or when young players settle into a position? Is a 15-year-old right back probably going to be an adult right back? A 12-year-old? What sort of probability? And any idea how coaches come to that decision? That's a really interesting question and one that I don't think I'm going to be able to comprehensively answer. I think that's something you'd probably need to speak to Harry Brooks about on Twitter. I mean, um, it's very, it's very strange. Like um, Alaba was this incredible left back, and he started moving central. It's, it's I, the players develop and players change mm. all the time. I don't know. I don't know so where I'm going with this. What, yeah. what, what you'll find at under eighteen level is some players will just have a position and they'll stick with it and they'll never mm. move out of that position. And it might be because there's no one, no competition there, or it might just be that they seem like a natural fit. So I'm thinking. Cameron Carter-Vickers, he's a a centre-back, he's always been a centre-back, he'll always be a centre-back and that's that. Then you get players who get shifted around because it's good for their development or there's a gap in the team and they need to fill a hole. So a good example of that is Luke Amos, who is a central midfielder. He started off as an attacking midfielder. He then moved to left-back to fill a hole in the under-18s and then the under-23s. So he played left-back way, way, way too much for my liking. And then eventually he became this kind of holding, grafting midfielder um, and settled on that position. So it can be quite varied. I mean, Mason's another good example. Throughout his whole career in the under-18s and 21s as it was then, he was... Uh, well, in the under-18s, he was a stri- he was a shoulder player at times. He was like a traditional on-rushing striker who scored loads and loads of goals. Then he started playing deeper, playing as a 10. And then, obviously, when we saw him in the first team, he'd completely redeveloped his game and became a tenacious box-to-box midfielder. Not even that box-to-box. By the end, he was kind of more of a hold-the-middle-of-the-pitch midfielder. Not particularly well. So it can be... It, I mean, I don't, think there, I don't think there is one answer. I think it's very player dependent and situation dependent um not sure how helpful that is Mm. in terms of right backs quite often you'll find that a right winger who doesn't make it as a right winger ends up as a right back that's that's quite a standard well-trod path um and and again i can't think of any reason for that other than the fact that we now like to play with in english football with very attacking right backs and defending is fairly easy to coach in comparison to attacking play any thoughts, Nathan? Just the one thing that we're doing better in this country and getting better at doing in this country is not playing 11 v 11 football all the way down. So when you go as far as 12-year-olds, there aren't any right-backs because they're playing 7 v 7 and they're playing this sort of the wide, the wing-back kind of role, that sort of thing. And then even younger than that, 3 v 3 and 5 v 5, all that kind of stuff. So um, 
you know, as I have preached many, many times on this podcast and elsewhere, players do not belong. They are not owned. They do not own. They they are not encompassing of a position. <laughs> and that is even more true for young players who are still developing physically, still developing technically, still developing mentally very much so. So, um what a what what a twelve year old is doing now can be very 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 distant from what they're going to be doing in you know even three years time. That, I mean that's a really good point. It's, players have a, a skill set and that skill set can be utilised however the manager sees fit. I mean obviously the knowledge of how best to play that position with within the remit of what the manager is trying to do is important. And so the more experience you have playing a position, it's going to help. Um, but Nathan's absolutely right to say that nothing's fixed and it, it doesn't need to be. And I think this is the point I've made with Cessignon a few times. We don't necessarily need for him to determine whether he's a left back or a left winger or a right winger or a number 10. Because it might be that he can just play a bit of all of them and be really helpful in all of those positions. Um, and, and we can afford to be a bit flexible with, with young players. It's not a problem. Any um, What we haven't done for a while is speak about recommendations. What have you been enjoying recently, Nathan? <laughs> the last time we spoke about recommendations, I talked about how I've been, I haven't been watching films or TV because I've been playing Rocket League even though I hate it. The, the good news is I no longer hate it. I've pushed through the hate <laughs> stage and I've developed an ability to... Um, express myself creatively and and with teammates and i'm able to enjoy that now uh phil i've been watching been watching a lot of films um been re-watching community so anyone who hasn't seen community should should watch community six seasons of that very good very good stuff um i don't know if i've been watching anything sort of new and cutting i watched a bit of the <laughs> man city amazon series as sort of homework <laughs> preparation um yeah i don't think i've really watched anything sort of that's coming out now how about you, Bards? Uh, as I mentioned already, I'm enjoying the Leeds documentary to get a kind of flavour on what Spurs will be. Enjoying Umbrella Academy, which is really good as well. Nice and <laughs> it's pretty good. So I'm, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm fi- Klaus annoys me a lot, like really annoys me. But um, I'm, no, I think it's pretty good. It's interesting. Um, and Potluck Film turned up to be um, Loke with Tom Hardy, which is very kind of of the moment because he's our narrator and that's a very intense film and the, but the ending just made me made me wanted to get in my car and find whoever made it to say what happened uh, I'll tell you one thing I watched yesterday which is my friend's wedding via live stream which wow. is, um yeah pretty incredible um really really sweet and um obviously you know not as good as being there in person but um but really, really sweet. Able to rewatch it back again, which I have done. Um, so you know, just you know, a matter of finding ways to to do things in mm. these times, and it was that was really nice. Aww. So shout out to them. Shout out to uh, Matt and Sarah. Congratulations, Matt and Sarah. Yeah, massive congrats. That's really cool. Very wholesome. Uh, I absolutely adored the film Knives Out, which is on Ooh. Amazon to watch yeah. for free at the moment. It's so good. I mean, I knew I knew it would be good because everyone told me it would be good, but it was better than I thought. It was brilliant. It's um, a very traditional whodunit, but told in a not-so-traditional way. It's it's super clever. It's very, very cool. Um, I also started Umbrella Academy, Bardi. I, 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 I've watched one episode so far, and I'm not convinced I'm going to like it. Do I carry on, Nathan? 
no, it gets worse. So I, unlike you, I actually enjoyed the first episodes and the second and third, and then um, it got worse. Essentially, um, with Umbrella, as far as I remember, like uh, I liked the first few episodes because like the pacing was kind of slow, and I liked that because most superhero stuff like properly go the world is ending from the very start. Mm. Um, and I liked that this was a bit more established, a bit more calm, but then like things start to happen and the things that happen in that show are just not interesting to me. So there you go. <laughs> Other people yeah. enjoy it. That's fine too. <laughs> there you go. The extra inch does pop culture. <laughs> cool. Well, nice to see you guys. And the next time we talk, I suspect we'll be talking about all or nothing. You've been listening to the extra inch. Thanks to Nathan A. Clark for production. Thanks to Barney for being Italian. Thanks to Adam Gardner for the artwork. Thanks to David Lindner for our intro music. You can find him on Twitter at Davy Shambles and his SoundCloud, Steve Lindner. Do check him out, he's great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us via podcast at theextrainch.co.uk and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms. And if you do enjoy the podcast, consider leaving us a rating and review. That would really help.